Hello, hello, and welcome to the Finding the Unicorn in You podcast. What a beautiful day to inspire lives. My name is Dr. Jaime Cabrera-Dagosa, your host, and I'm so excited to have you here. Let's get ready to meet some fantastic unicorns and learn how to unleash the innate unicorn in you. Let's get started. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Finding the Unicorn in You. Today, I have a serial entrepreneur, growth strategist, and founder of Grow House, a marketing strategy and execution firm serving SMBs across the country. I'll let him talk a little bit more about himself. So we have Drew Donaldson. Uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate the time today. Of course. And for listeners, we've had such a hard time getting this interview going. It's been technological issues after everything. So I really do appreciate you, Drew, for being here. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. Like you said, I'm a growth strategist. I come from the world of production. I went to film and film and television school. And when I got out of there, I started a production company. And what really got me into marketing in the first place was that I was coming out of school at a time where businesses were just getting onto YouTube. And this was right at the end of the Great Recession. And so this kind of was a glimmer of hope for people that, hey, there, there's this new marketing channel that's really hot, that if you can just get footage, if you just get video of your business up online, there's a really good chance that people will find you and engage with you and all of that. So I was really able to leverage my skills coming out of film school into helping small businesses. And that's part of what developed my love for working with the small and medium sized sector. Where all that started falling apart was as I started trying to grow the firm and get more clients out beyond just my kind of local network of people was I came up against some really strong headwinds that I didn't really expect. I kind of had this perspective that if you were good enough at what you did, people would just find you and hire you and nothing could be further from the truth. And so I would go out and I would bid on jobs and I would lose them to people that were not nearly as good at what they did, did not provide the level of customer service, didn't, I think, do enough for the money they were charging, and yet they would still win me in these bidding scenarios or best me in these bidding scenarios. And that drove me crazy. And so one, I kind of sat down and I said, problem here is has to come down to market. And so I really threw all of my energy into understanding how do you grow a business? How do you grow a business from scratch? How do you grow a business when you have no money? How do you grow a business when you have lots of money? How do you grow a business when you have a lot of revenue, but no profit? So like I was looking at it from all of these different perspectives of what does it really take to grow a business? And I spent the last 15 years of my life asking that question every single day finding new answers every single day. And so a few years ago, I started Grow House as a way to take my corporate consulting experience and make the small and medium-sized business market, which often doesn't have the kind of budgets corporations have, but gives me an opportunity to work with a real decision maker who's ready to execute today, not look at a PowerPoint that I create and then immediately pitch it into the garbage when the next consultant comes in and presents his big... I, I really have invested a ton of time into this market and building relationships with businesses and seeing the really great results. That's pretty much how we approach it. We're a strategy-based firm as opposed to a marketing agency. And the big difference there, like I was telling you earlier, it's a marketing agency is like going into Walmart. They'll have a little bit of everything. They'll try to compete for who can charge the least amount for each item on the shelf, but they're not going to tell you what to cook for dinner. They're not going to tell you what the healthy food is versus the unhealthy food. They're not going to tell you what toys are going to have the highest ROI for your kid's future educational potential. They're not going to do any of that. They're just going to say, hey, here's a bluey stuffed animal or here's a pot, jar of pasta sauce. It's only 99 cents. Why don't you buy it? And so what our approach is, is that we can do all the traditional marketing 
agency stuff. We just look at it from the perspective of, well, what's right for you is not necessarily right for your neighbor. And so let's build a marketing plan that actually works for your business specifically with the market conditions you're facing, the budget that you're looking at, and, and what you really need in terms of growth. Not everybody needs more customers. Sometimes it's just making more money off of the customers you have. So that's a big part of what we do is really uncover not clicks and follows and all of those kind of vanity metrics, but really look at the end of the day, do you have more money in your bank account or less money since we started working? That makes sense. And I, marketing is one field that is going to be needed no matter what industry you go into. As long as you're trying to sell something, you're going to need a marketer or like a marketing strategy. I know that there's very different um, types of marketing. There's like market funnels, there's click funnels, I mean, there's affiliate marketing, there's like social media marketing. So for you, I know you mentioned social media, right? That's like you you were focusing on or was that the niche? No, it's all of the above. I mean, everything you just laid out there are just different chapters in the same book. Marketing is just taking a product or a service and putting it in front of active and interested buyers. That's all it really is. So any of those things can work. You can get affiliates to sell for you. You can hawk it on the boardwalk at Atlantic City. People have made millions of dollars selling knives to tourists in Atlantic City. So there's there's a lot of different ways to go out and market. And so what we do as a strategy firm is look at each business and say, what is the what which one of those chapters is the right one in the book? Is for example, I'm not a big fan of SEO unless you're in a very specific set of industries. Why? Because SEO is time consuming, expensive, and it's not something that a small mom and pop business that only has thousand dollars a month to spend on marketing it's not where they should be spending that money they can have a much bigger bang for their buck in other avenues same thing with like mm-hmm. door hangers right door hangers are unbelievably good marketing right no postage costs you can be, as you can be targeted down to the household with door hangers it's phenomenal right? and yeah. getting them delivered is relatively easy you hire somebody for you now 10 bucks an hour to go plaster a neighborhood and you can have a hundred percent coverage on that neighborhood for sure but that's not going to work if you're doing a national brand like door hangers for a national brand is ridiculous. The number of door hangers you'd have to print and the <laughs> impact of those hangers is not going to make any sense. Social media is going to be way more uh, of the right tool or, or even something like more like direct mail where it's much easier to scale because you're not physically having to hire someone to hang it on every single door. You're just hiring the post office to do what the post office does. So that's what I'm talking about. It's like there's all of the things you said. Funnels are fantastic. Are funnels for everybody? Absolutely not. Yeah, and that makes sense. And I do think that depending on what industry you're in, certain marketing strategies are going to work more. Uh, like I know like for life coaching, I get more ROI when I go to an, a conference and a network and I start meeting other people and collaborating with them versus if I just do a, po- a social media post. It just really depends on the type of person you are, what works for you, because people may be trying to drive. You need to post on social media, post on social media. But if you're cam- really camera shy, mm-hmm. And you don't know how to like talk in front of a camera, maybe social media may not be the best bet for you. So maybe try different marketing techniques that do match, um, that is going to be bring you a, a big ROI, but also um, match your personality style and also the business model that you're going for. So I totally agree. One of the things I'm not particularly camera shy, I'm on camera 40 hours a week. So that's not a problem. But <laughs> what I am is a perfectionist. I want every piece of content I put out to be perfect and flawless. And that's really hard with video because I can't edit all this stuff myself. I have a team and I put them through the ringer in terms of number of changes. They're going to watch this one and have to edit it and probably laugh at themselves because they know that I will come back with nine, 10, 12 rounds of revisions to make sure every piece is perfect. That means I'm going to be limited in the amount I can post. Right? 
But you know what I can do every day, six times a day? I can post on Twitter. That's easy, right? I can mm -hmm. do that between calls. I can type out a quick message, right? I can, if I wanted to go onto Quora and answer Quora questions, I could do that pretty quick. It's all about figuring out what are the key competencies that you're a business in, in marketing in general, and then just stick to those. And then anything that you're not comfortable with or something that you're just not going to be good at, outsource that stuff. The only caveat to that is I do think that if you're camera shy, you should get over it. We live in a visual world, and I don't mean that to be glib. I just mean we live in a visual world, right? The number one organic traffic generator right now is a short form video platform, TikTok. Yeah. That's not going to change anytime soon. We're not going back to campaigns, at least not in the next 10 years. And if that's the case, and we know that video is going to be this instrumental tool you better get over it now and get in these markets while the going's good. Because right now I have people posting that are getting 600 to 1,000 views organically because their content is finding the right people. Every social media channel goes through a phase where the organic reach gets cut and advertising gets bumped. So it's essentially, nope, if you want exposure, you got to start paying for ads if you're a business. It doesn't usually happen as severely for regular people. But if you're a business owner, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm sure if you've advertised on Facebook ever, you'll, you stop your advertisements and all of a sudden it's like, where are all my people? Because Facebook yeah. isn't interested in giving you free exposure. You need to pay for every eyeball that sees your stuff. So that's really what it comes to is like right now we are in a good place to not camera shy. And so if that's the one thing holding you back. If it's not a lack of ideas or a lack of time or a lack of budget, just get over it. Just, just shoot 100 videos a day until you're over it. And I have a great guy out in California who's writing a course all about that because there's so many people that struggle with it. Yeah, and I agree with you as well. I think we set certain limits up for ourselves on what we can and cannot do. And we use that as a barrier and that's the end all. We're like, nope, that's it. I give up. Like, this is not going to work out for me because I can't get over this one hump. But the only way we grow is through discomfort situations. So we have to put ourselves in an uncomfortable situation learn, get through it, that way we can progress and grow. So you make a valid point. hundred percent. I always have to laugh when I'm a business owner who has been in business for four or five years. And it's like making okay money. And then I bring up the like prospect of them appearing in an ad for their business. Oh, you do realize you didn't pick the easy choice when you started this. And all <laughs> along the line, you made scary, horrifying decisions that most people would never make because they aren't built like an entrepreneur. They're, they're built like someone who goes in and punches a clock, which is fine. Everybody has their own journey, but it takes a special kind of crazy to want to go. Yeah, what's a, I don't care about a 401k and health insurance. Let's let's rock and roll like that stuff's yeah. old news. I have this other bigger thing growing up. And so people make these scary decisions all the time for their business. And then every business owner follows the same pattern where all of a sudden they become very risk averse. And when you bring new ideas into their business, all of a sudden they're, they're very Oh no, I want to do that. That's new and different. It's like the whole reason you got into this because yeah. you weren't risk averse. Now you're pulling back. That's I think that's the big thing is like you you can't be scared of being scared because being scared and putting yourself through those situations is what does or it's what facilitates it. Yeah, I completely agree. And this is a good transition into my next question for you. So a lot of us tend to have self-doubt and sometimes go through imposter syndrome when we're trying something new. I know opening up your own business and going into this market and like being a marketing consultant and opening up Growhouse, 
it could have been pretty scary. So how was that process for you? And how did you overcome your own self-doubt and imposter syndrome? So there was like three phases of this business. There was the phase that started pre-pandemic because I kind of launched in January of 2020. And so my plan was I had a corporate thing that I thought was going to last probably one more year and then I was done and I was going to spin this business up to replace. And so my plan for 2020 was like launch and scale this business to replace, to replace that big client. That was a big six figure client. I was like, if I give myself 12 months of this, that'll be plenty. Then the world had other plans. Everything fell apart. I kind of had to accept the fact that I was along for the ride just with everybody else. But it didn't stop me from actually going out and having those conversations with business owners. And I talked to hundreds of business owners that year that were all facing different challenges in the world. And some of them were facing issues where they didn't know if they were going to be able to reopen. Other people were worried about how to tell people they were still on and how to get people back in the store. I talked to jewelers who were like, how can someone buy something for a wedding or engagement or any of this stuff if they can't physically come on and try the jewelry and see the sparrows? I had people that owned food establishments that had like big part of it was sampling the food, like Italian markets, the places where like traditionally that's how you sell a product is by and couldn't do that anymore. And so going through a year of talking all this really gave me the confidence that there was this huge. And so at the end of that year, I met two guys that were going to r- launch an agency to compete against my own side and join forces. And for the next year, we worked together. And that kicked off the second phase, which was they had a very different idea of what this business should be. And I did not agree with that. So we butted heads constantly for the next year. And it really gave me a lot of doubt, not only that I was going to be able to work with these guys long-term on this business, but all was I crazy? Was the way I wanted to go about this that wrong that these two more established marketers that were far more wealthy, like these are rich. These are not schlubs. These are guys now, they could take a six-week vacation and not lose a dime of income. Like very, very wealthy guys. And they're telling me your idea doesn't work. It just doesn't. It doesn't work. It's not worth it. You have to do it this way instead. And that gave me a huge amount of doubt. And the pinnacle of that was when they came to me and said, you know what? We want to go and invest in another business. We want you to buy us out of this business. And I had a choice there about whether or not to proceed or just go back. And I just knew that if I didn't follow through with this, that I would be asking the what if question for the rest of my life. What if I did? So I took out a massive amount of debt to go and buy them out of the business. And the, that kicked off the third phase, which was like, holy cow, is this better work? I better be right. I better, I better just everything I was expecting come true. And in the middle of that, a couple months later, I had my first daughter and I was, I'd planned to take you know, six weeks of maternity leave or paternity leave rather to be to support my wife and to be with my new daughter and all of that. And the day after I sent out the announcement, and this had been communicated well ahead of time to all my clients, the day after I sent out the announcement, I lost 80% of my clients. I got their cancellation letter after cancellation letter. Hey, we understand you're taking some time away. This is a good time to transition. Like they were all just lined up. At, you know, you're going to be gone a while. We're going to go and do something else, which totally fair. Listen, I'm not, I wasn't expecting them to put their businesses on hold. But I did, ex- I did expect them to at least try to work with me. And that's not what happened. And so immediately I saw 80% of my income vaporize like overnight. And so obviously panic sets in and you start thinking like, oh, wow, I just made the biggest mistake of my life. But we rebuilt and we 
just went back to the basics of all of the stuff I've been teaching clients for the past two years. I just did, did that. I did the same thing that I would have told them if they were my client. I started almost like coaching, consulting myself back into the minds. You can get over this. And this year, it's proof positive. From last year to this year, we've grown 150%. From this year to next year, we're looking at a potential 200% gain on top of that. And it's because I knew this would work. I knew it would work and it would just, I just needed a team behind me that actually supported that vision. And that's what I have. And so I think that's kind of, there, there's still self-doubt. There's still times where I go, is this really going to worry? Is this really the right direction? But when you have as many wins in the win column, as few losses in the loss column, it really gives you that confidence to say, you know what, even if it doesn't work, even if that next ad campaign fails, I'll be all right. I'm going to get over it. I'm going to launch something else that's going to work. I love that. And I love the fact that you kept faith in yourself and in the process. You could have just given up, especially when you, like they said, you know what, this is not working out. We don't want to do it with you. And you can let that get into your head, but you kept going. You were a unicorn and you decided to do the tough, the thing that was not the road less taken in a sense. Oh, yeah. And in you ended up working. It was, it's funny, like they told me they wanted to separate March 1st of a year ago, essentially. And March ended up being our highest grossing month of all time. Because as soon as I saw it, I was like, I got 30 days to make this work and to stabilize this business. And I just put pedal the metal and just and hauled. And I made a bargain with myself. If I keep this thing stabilized in 30 days, then I'm not going to go through with it. I'm just going to walk away from the table and I'm going to say, no, but you know, they were, they were already checked out of the business. They were ready to go. And so I could, I had the free reign to do what I wanted to scale, market and scale the business the way I wanted to. And it was like, it was, I, I don't believe in overnight success, but it really was like, they told me this day, I launched a campaign that day. And then I started booking calls on the calendar, like the very next day. And it just didn't stop all of marketing. So it was one of those things that's like, there's probably a little bit of luck to that too, but it's, yeah, you just have to have confidence in yourself. That's the biggest thing is that, you know, that, that you have won before you have done this before you've done it for other people and uh, you can do it for yourself. And I do want to highlight something that you said, you said that the self-doubt and the imposter syndrome is still there, but you get through it, especially seeing that the track record of the wins versus the losses that you have. And I think that's a misconception that we all think that after you reach a certain level, it's going to disappear. And you're just going to be confident the whole time. But that doesn't happen. Every single time you grow, you're in a new position you've never been in. So it, it all comes rushing back. And you have to, it's a constant battle. But like you said, the more wins you rack, the smaller that voice gets in your head. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, a persistent little bug that's always in your ear. That's always trying to sow a seed of self-doubt. But when you harden yourself over time and you're just like, things... Even if this fails, it's not the end of the world. Even if I make a fool of myself, it's not the end of the world. I think the thing that gets to me is I used to read books like Alex Ramos, right? Just launched $100 million. He's a brilliant marketer, arguably one of the best marketers out there right now. I was in such a different mental space when I read $100 million <laughs> offers, which is one of, I will say, by the way, that is one of the reasons why this business worked. Like that helped me fix some of the structural issues and how I was positioning my offer. I would not be where I am today without Alex. Rose. I will 100% admit that little social post, maybe get some love for him there or something, but like 100%, <laughs> he, he was inspirational. 
And it's amazing that when I would listen to his stories back then about where, when he would lose a bunch of money, it really hits different when you read the same stories now, if you overcome that, because instead of reinforcing that self-doubt, like you're going to lose everything, you're going to lose everything, you're going to lose everything, which was that mindset when I was first reading $100 million offers. Now, when I read the same stories, because he does repeat, I think a couple of stories in $100 million leads. Now it's that you'll get through it. So what if it doesn't work? You'll get through it. Like it's not a big deal. And that mental shift that happens, I don't think that's an overnight thing, but you definitely start becoming aware because you start the mm -hmm. content you take in and just the way you make decisions changes. Like I used to stress like over a $1,500. Now I'm like, you know, let it ride. Let's see what happens. And it's not because I have all this money to burn. It's that I know that if that campaign doesn't work, that's all right. I've got an 80% success record. So two out of every 10 are destined to bomb. You know, once I blow, once I bomb, I'll blow around $3,000. I'll, I'll be good. And then my next, <laughs> and I'll be happy again. So it's like, it's, it is really one of those changes. Once you make that switch, it affects every little part of your business. It's crazy how, how much impact that, you know, pushing that little nudge out of your ear <laughs> really helps. It's a numbers game and it does help when you actually see the numbers like in your favor. If you notice the trends and you actually analyze it. I know some people, I know some business owners that are just throwing balls in like an air. They don't know, they don't have a goal. They're just throwing it, but they're not tracking. They're not really seeing. You have to have a process or like you said, a strategy to at least find out what's working and what's not. So I think that's what really separates a successful business owner versus a non-successful business owner is finding a good strategy that map that works and then tracking your numbers so that you can actually see am I growing or am I not growing? And that's exactly why if you walk into my business today and say, hey, I want you to run my social channels for me, I'll, I'm going to say no, because that's not the business we're in. We're not in the business of just, hey, yeah, grab that item off the shelf and walk to the cashier. That's not what we're doing because that's this kind of thinking that makes people lose money, that makes people yeah. lob grenades of marketing that don't end up doing anything, you know, splashing into a duck. Like it really all, it's really all about making sure that the moves that you're making are the right ones. And even if you're not sure if it's the right one, having the metrics in place to be able to say, okay, I'm spending a thousand dollars on this thing. My expectation is that at the end of this, I should make twice that much. Here's how I justify that, right? Say cold outreach. Okay. I'm going to hire a cold outreach person and I'm going to get them LinkedIn sales navigator. I'm getting these tools. I'm going to write them a script and they're just going to hammer a hundred people a day. They hammer a hundred people a day. This conversion rate for a conversation, this conversion rate for a call, I should be able to make X number of dollars and then run it for a month and see how far off your metrics are. Because if you're, if, if you go and do that and you throw all those metrics to the wind and you might sell a couple deals, but you might be looking or just hearing that person in the other office calling it hung up on over and over. That can mess with you. Like, oh man, the script's not mm -hmm. good. He's struggling. He's not closing anything. Meanwhile, it's a numbers. Game. So eventually he'll get someone on the phone that will be like, oh yeah, no, look, tell me more. And that person may pay for the next 200 customers that you contact, right? just in terms of outlay that you need to pay this person to do the work. So if you don't have those metrics in place, you have no idea. You just see it as most of the people he calls hang up on. Yeah, it's called outreach. That's how it works. <laughs> if you've, you've never done it before. There's no expectation. There's no metric that you can grade yourself. Exactly. And I think a lot of us tend to want instant gratification. So we don't even give it the length 
of time to track all this data to find out if it really worked or not. I know I've talked to people that want to grow on social media because they want to grow their business and they tried for two weeks and they're like, well, nothing happened. I posted every single day, once a day, nothing happened. And I was like, okay, well, what kind of videos are you posting? Where, like, what are the hashtags? What are you using? You know, who's your audience? And, you know, how did, what did you do for those two weeks? And what are you going to do to change it, to try new techniques? You have to fail to learn what works and what doesn't work. And then based on the videos that work, then learn, grow and whatnot. And this applies to anything in life. Like always, you have to give it a try, fail, learn what didn't work and then try it again and just to keep applying things that work. And then eventually you're going to get there. And it's not something, sometimes you may get lucky and get like the mark right away. And those are like unicorns in itself. But some, most of the time you're going to have to go step by step and you might take a step back before you take a step forward. Absolutely. And a lot of this comes down to, I think the way marketing is taught in this country is just a broad base, whether it's being taught in schools or by YouTubers or a course is fundamentally backwards because the thing that you really need to start with is validating that idea. And part of validation is failure. Like that it's a binary, right? Like it, it ha at least half ideas that go out to get validated have to fail. It's statistically like it's, that's the way statistics work. There has to be an equal amount of failure and success when you're going out and judging something about will this work or will this not work? And because we don't do that, we invest all this money into marketing on ideas that have not been validated. And then we're thinking, oh, it's the marketing's fault. It's not working when it's not the marketing, it's the idea. It's the positioning of the idea. It's how we're explaining the idea. And because we don't do any of that validation, we don't get that hard line in the sand. This works, this doesn't work. Then we just compound the problem by adding additional marketing to it. So to your point, the business owner that goes and posts every day on social media, great. What are you posting? If you're trying to sell blenders to tirees, but all you're posting is Gen Z humor, that is a big miss. Like you're not, that's not going to mm -hmm. work. And I know that's a silly example, but that is the reality of what a lot of people, how a lot of people treat social media is they try to trend chase without thinking about who are the people participating in the trend? Are the people participating in this TikTok dance actually buyers of mine? No, they're not. Most of those people are not your buyers. I guarantee it because most of them are 16 <laughs> years old. And unless you're selling like yeah. you know, Barbie dolls, they're not real your core demographic. And so I think that, Part of that is also, you know, I know a bunch of burly construction guys do a tech and that's all right. There's some humor in that. Everybody can chuckle at that. But that is also a unique idea, right? That's not just following the trend. That's taking a spin on the trend, a tongue in cheek approach. And so if you're not going out there, if you're just going out there and posting randomly and you haven't taken the steps to validate who your audience is, are they interested in your product? How do they want to be communicated to? If you haven't answered all these questions, then yeah, you're going to fail most of the time. And if you're going to fail most of the time, that means you have to fail for a long time before you figure it out. Yeah. So I always tell people like, listen, I would rather go and spend $500 in 10 days to validate an idea and then come back with a really, a lot of confidence that like, yeah, this is going to work. than going and building out $10,000 worth of marketing assets only to then realize, oh no, we have to change everything because this isn't going to work. Yeah. So I know we are running out of time. So I have one final question for you, which is the question I usually ask people, but I'm going to spin it for as a solopreneur question. So if a person wants to become a unicorn and open up their own kind of like how you and like what piece of advice would you give them 
that will like really help them at least get started. Kindness and humility go a long way. It really does. I did not, when I called business owners up, ask them about, you know, would you buy this service in the middle of a pandemic? I had to put it all on the table, right? They had to put it all on. And vulnerability attracts vulnerability. If someone can tell that you're struggling just as much as they are, they're going to respond to it. They're going to open up and share themselves. And when someone is struggling, just being kind to them, helping where you can, not gating yourself off and pretending you're greater than you are or some guru behind the walls of a castle, uh, it goes a long way. It really does. And I think that in part, those two things, I think are probably the reason why I've been successful more than anything else, because I know all of my clients' names. I know their stories. I'm invested in their businesses, emotionally invested, meaning I don't, I, I don't cross that line. But these are good people, but I wouldn't know that unless I did get to know them. And so I think that that part is missing from a lot of businesses nowadays. We always want to just go for scale. We always just want more and more clients. And I think sometimes you have to realize that you shouldn't get more clients until you can properly serve the ones you have and then grow and grow with that same kindness and humility that got you the first, the, your first hundred clients. I agree. And I think you just have to bring that humanistic approach to it and start seeing people as people and not as numbers in the grand scheme of things. I know social media and what we see in today's world, especially with the economic state, we want to keep growing and making a certain amount of money because that's going to bring us happiness. But like you said, actually getting to know these people at a humanistic level, having conversations, creating these relationships will bring you such a more rich experience than all these other random people you're never going to know and they're just going to be numbers. And you never know what those connections can lead off to, what those networking opportunities and you can even grow at a bigger rate by taking your time and doing to be paying attention to those small details. Absolutely. I guarantee you if you were to ask the richest men in the world whether they would rather have a Lamborghini or more time with people they care about, not one of them is picking a Lamborghini. Yeah. Right? We only have so much time on this planet. You might as well make the best of it. And I can guarantee you that there are better things out there than just being fabulously wealthy. I mean, having a lot of money is good. I'm not going to lie that, you know, and pretend that if you're struggling or you're, you know, minimum wage right now, that it is not attractive to go and look at a bunch of YouTubers flying Gucci luggage and flying around the world. Listen, get it. But the reality is, is that happiness is far closer often than a Lamborghini or a mansion or a six safari in Africa. It's, it's, it's simple <laughs> thing. Yeah. I completely agree. Thank you so much. It's been such a wonderful conversation. So if somebody is interested in following your journey or they want to know more about you or even hire you for themselves, how can they do? Sure. So you can visit us online, growhouse.org, G-R-O-H-A-U-S.org. There you can book a free coaching call with me. And just as a thank you for booking a free call with me and having a conversation, I will give you my entire course that I've written to that is essentially based off my experience and how I grew my business uh, step by step. I'll just give that to you for free. As a rule, I don't sell courses. I only sell I only sell coaching consultant agency services. And so I'm happy to give that out to, uh, to anyone that's willing to give me some of their time so I can learn about their business and see if I can help. That's very nice. So listeners, if you want to get that free course, make sure you book a call and get that 
find his information, you can actually look at the show notes and you will be able to see all the links uh, to this stuff. So you can go ahead and contact him there. You can also visit my website at regulars-consulting.com. He'll be showing up on the Unicorn Wall of Fame and you'll see his bio, the, sum uh, the summation of this episode, along with his links. And as a quick reminder, episodes come out every Friday at 7 a.m. And don't forget to leave us as five-star review. Drew, thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. You're amazing. And keep being the unicorn that you are. Thank you so much, Jamie. It was a pleasure talking to you. Likewise. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Finding the Unicorn in You podcast. I truly appreciate you listening. And I hope you enjoyed this episode and gained valuable insights. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review on your favorite platform. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep growing. Until next time, this is Dr. Jaime Gabriel Regoza signing off.